right, as we all make our way back to our seat, I'm going to remain standing because it's it's hard to it's hard for me, a guy um, who's never been clinically diagnosed with all of the above. Um, it's hard for me to preach and sit at the same time, so I'm going to stand if that's okay with you guys. Uh, I'm not against a preacher sitting, but uh, I am for me. So um, we're going to jump right into it because I've only got about <coughs> 17 minutes, aka 35, if I choose to use it. Um, but my sermon title to this morning is, and if I say tonight, it's because normally I preach on Wednesday night, the running joke that I have to say, because I say it every every year, is this is the one time a year that I get to preach, so I'm going to preach as long as I want and however I want and with whatever I want. Uh, but actually this year, Eric gave me two Sundays I get to preach this year, so you guys will get to hear me later on this year. It'll be awesome. I can't wait. Um, so my sermon title this morning is called He Makes all things new. And as scripture tells us many, many times, we are reminded that God makes all things work together for our good. If you've ever heard or read that before, say yeah. Okay, I'm also a guy that I like hearing you say, hey, Mandy Barrett, I'm paying attention this morning, all right? So give me a yeah, you know what I'm saying? So that's what I'm talking about. All things work together for our good. Now, let me clear something up that I used to be really uh, kind of to the left on in a sense is all things work together for our good does not necessarily mean all things are always going to be good. Can I get an amen on that one? I'll tell you something. All things are not always good. All right? God makes all things work together for our good. All things does not necessarily mean all of them are good. It's impossible to think that. Who in here would say 24-7, 52 weeks out of the year, 365 days unless you're CERN, and your birthday is leap day, and you like CERN's only four right now, you know. But uh, 364 days a year. How many of you guys would say all things forever, they've always been just all things are good. There's nothing bad. Raise your hand. Good. Preaching to people that are honest with themselves this morning. That's what I'm talking about. Okay? It's just impossible to think that. But here's exactly what he's saying. He's not saying that all things are good. He's saying that all things work together for our good. That means the bad. That means the ugly. That means the hard times, tribulations. That also means, hey, the good times. So let's celebrate that. Marriage. I kind of hinted on this a minute ago. We're Not any of us would say that marriage is all the time good. None of us would say that. Any of you young couples in the room are like, oh, I think it's going to be rainbows and butterflies. Wake the heck up. It's not going to happen. Look at your parents. Either they're putting on a good show or they're doing a great job hiding it. But the reality is, Dude, marriage is great, and it's beautiful, and it is so amazing. And let me tell you something. There's literally nothing on this world that can compare to it. it absolutely nothing because it's sanctity and unity by God. But marriage has its problems, its hurts, its regrets. I know this for a fact, but for all of us that have said our vows and all that, what that means is to us, for better, for worse, till death do us part, all things good and bad, I know that Cammie is going to accept me for those things, all right? It's really easy to accept somebody for the good, right? Because when I do her chores, she's like, yeah, I'll accept the heck out of you right now, right? And when I do my chores and do them with excellence, she's like, that's what I'm talking about. But what about when I don't do my chores and when she's a week and a half away from having a baby and I don't do her chores or don't help her out of bed or, you know, don't fold the laundry or even pick up the basket of laundry to put it on the bed where she can reach it. You know, when I don't do some of that stuff, she's like, yo, yo, there's a gap here. I'm sensing a flaw. 
I'm, I'm needing some clarification in our marriage right now because I'm not feeling the love. All things. Cammie, like I'm telling you, there's no time. Aside from Jesus, I've only known Cammie for like four years, four and a half years, something like that. And uh, I can tell you how long we've been married. I don't know how long I've known her. Right? Just get real. Can't remember every date ever. You know, come on. Anyways, as far as I can tell, Cammie's probably extended me more grace than any other person on the planet. Aside from Jesus, hey, that's my dad over here coughing. <clears throat> but Cammie's probably extended me more grace. Why? Well, because, man, I, I'm really not, you know, my dad's coughing. It's fun, but he knows scripture probably just as good as most of us in here. Like, the reality is, like, when I sin now in my relationship with Cammie, I'm now sinning, like, against someone other than just myself. All right? So it's not just really on me. It's like we, we have this big jar of, of like, you know, this is, this is where we came from. This is, our, this is our sins. This is my jar. Well, when Cammie and I got married, uh, some guy did something really cool, and he took those two jars and he put them together and made one big jar. All right? And that's, that's our jar now. So now every time I fall short, um, in regards to my relationship with her, it doesn't just affect me and my relationship with God. It affects my wife and my relationship and our relationship with God. But the reality is, Cammie loves me through those. Praise God. Praise God. Okay. And, and A, for some of you guys, I love Cammie through hers. Okay. There's a, this is a two-way street. I do have forgiveness that I get to extend once every two or three months. Um, she's never wrong, my girl. Just kidding. She's, she's awesome, though. But you may be saying, Jonathan, I don't, I don't really know if you understand this, but uh, you have no idea what all that I've done. I've made a lot of mistakes. I have so much shame, guilt, and regret. I don't think God could ever forgive me for those things. My husband or wife may never be able to forgive me for these things. I keep trying this out, um, knowing that it leads to emptiness. And it's leading me to emptiness. And I can't get out. It's a, it's a rut. Like, you don't know where I've come from. You don't know the pain that I have. You don't. Um, let me tell you something. I know a lot about exactly what you're talking about. All right? Because I've been there. I'm not perfect. Um, I'm the furthest thing from perfect. Perfect. I'm not a poster child. Um, let me tell you. I'm not. This is my saying. I, I love to say it. Um, I'm not a, a poster child. I'm a prodigal child. Um, I'm the child that is the definition of what Paul called himself. I am the chief of sinners. I would put my sins up against all of y'all's, and I would probably win. Uh, that's where I'm at. Uh, I'm imperfect, so um, don't ever, 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 not that some of y'all do, other than my sister Jerica, she's got this weird thing to where she thinks that Jonathan's perfect. You know, she, I think she hates me, actually, because of it. But she doesn't. You're right. She loves me. But, uh... But, man, I, I'm the prodigal child. Man, I have sinned so, I, I run away from Jesus so, so often. And, and, to, and so many times when I'm like, I can handle this. I can get myself out of this. I can blah, blah, blah. I can, and then before you know it, I'm sucked right back into it. But here's the great thing. He makes all things work together for our good. All things. Let's look at this verse. Psalm 84 11. Since I can't read it on the back screen, I'm going to read it right here. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Seven, 2 Timothy 1.9. I'm just going to do three verses in a row, Johnny. 
who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because our works, but because of his own purpose and his grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. The new has come. Okay. If anyone is in Christ Jesus, the old has passed away and the new has come. Guys, we can celebrate this morning knowing that two, one of two things. One, you have died to your old self and your new self has come. Or two, if you're in this room, you can die to your old self and you can be reborn to a new self in Christ Jesus. You're in one of two boats this morning. And, and to clarify that, if I wasn't clear enough, you are either a believer in Jesus and your, your name is my old school Baptist pastor would say, your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You ain't got no, which is true, it's true, it's true. Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and you have absolutely nothing to worry about. God has got you on his list, and when you come to the gates, he's going to say, yo, 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 well done, thy good and faithful servant. I wrote in the yo, yo, yo part, but the well done, thy good and faithful servant is in there, okay? God's going to say, you're in, bro. I got you. Your name is either in the Lamb's Book of Life right now or it is not. So you can either, A, celebrate that your old self is gone and you need to start living in your new self, or you need to realize, I'm living in my old self right now. And my old self can die and be born again and anew in Jesus Christ. And that's the way we as Christians desire to celebrate with God because he has done that for us. It was nothing I could have done. Let me tell you something. It's nothing I could have done because I couldn't have done it. I can promise you that. If at the end of my life it was done by my works, let me tell you something. The pendulum for sin wouldn't even be able to be seen because it would be way the heck down there. You could definitely see my good pendulum sitting up here, just like four or five things sitting on it. Oh, that was a good time. Hey, man, oh, look at those cool things he did. Yeah. He's going to hell, though, because look at these bad works. It's not done by what, we, by what we do. It's done by what we believe, okay? So that's one of my favorite shirts. I wear it like every other Sunday. I almost wore it this morning, but I realized I wore it last Sunday. So I, I have to do every other. Some of you guys would think that I don't have clothes. Um, and so one of my favorite shirts that I wear is a shirt that says faith over feeling because it's so true. Man, if we will just realize that Jesus, this is a relationship thing, and it's not just the goosebumps. Um, this is a lifestyle that we get to, to live. He makes all things new. He isn't making new things. He isn't making all of the new stuff. He's making all things new. And I want to kind of illustrate this in the sense of the restoration of a vehicle, the restoration of a bicycle, the restoration of a grandfather clock. But the restoration only in the sense of they didn't take a totaled vehicle, rip it apart, get new parts, bring them in, and put this vehicle back together. What they did was they took the old rusty bolts, and they sanded them down real fine. And they took all that rust and nastiness off. They sandblasted it off. Then they, they put a nice, firm, shiny coat on the end of that and put that bolt right back where it came from. God does not take us, oh, old is gone, this guy's dead and gone, sins, completed his life, blah, blah, there's no hope for him. I'm going to throw him away and poof, 
God's a pretty good poofer. Uh, and poof, there's a new person. That's, that's not what God does. God says, hey, David McKegg, bro. I'm going to use David because everybody knows like he's an outstanding person. David McKegg, dude, you're full of sin. You know what? You've got some miles on you. We're just going to... We're going to get rid of you, and then we're going we're gonna to put in a new David McKay because what we need right now is a new David McKay, and this one's not cutting it. So, no. At some point in David McKay's life, God grabbed a hold of him and said, David, I love you. I hate some things about you. I hate some things that you do. This sin that's in your life, ugh, I hate it. I hate it so much that I sacrificed my only son so that you could become new. All right? So some of you guys need to hear in this. God is not finished with you. I've got youth students through the course of my youth ministry that have attempted suicide. And my message to them is not, oh, my gosh, everything's going to be okay. You're going to be all right. You're going to, uh, don't worry, S stop hanging out with those friends. My message to you is God's not done with you because you're still alive. And he's wanting to make you into a new person. He's not wanting to discard you and put somebody else in your place. So some of you guys in this place this morning need to hear the word forgiveness. Some of you guys need to hear the word grace. When we are overwhelmed by sin, guys, let me tell you something. God is like right there, like he's right there, like right on the end of your lip. As soon as you say those words, man, like he hears it, he feels it, he grabs it, and he implements it into your life, that grace. God, I am an idiot. Yeah, yeah, of course you are. I forgive you. Okay? I love you. <laughs> That's not news to me, and me loving you shouldn't be news to you, Jonathan. So the reality is we are made new by Jesus. We're not neglected. He doesn't take what's broke, replace it, and replace it with something that's good. He takes something that's broken. He places grace, mercy, love, encouragement, patience, perseverance, new. That's us. And this is the perfect picture of the prodigal son that I want us to see. The perfect picture is we walk away and we, we dive face first into sin, we dive face first into what we know leads to death, um, and at some point, we hit that rock bottom, like somewhere along the lines of, I'm eating food out of the pig trough, and I know that the slaves at my parents' house are eating better than I am. I could go back and at least be a slave and be better off than I am today. We hit that spot, and we realize, maybe Jesus is legit. Maybe Jesus is, is who I need to seek satisfaction. If you can hear me say, yeah, I'm probably not doing a very good job because I see some nodding in the back. I know your name, too. I'll call you out. Ain't scared. Put your phone up and quit texting is all I'm saying. But the prodigal son is not meant for you to be like, hey, that's a great story. It's cool. Yeah, it, it pertains to some people. Uh, the prodigal son is the story of the Dwight Alexander. The story of the Jeff Coppage. The story of the Renee McGraw, even though she's a saint. All right, let me tell you, she is amazing. But, dude, you fill in your name. Because in some way, we've bolted away from Jesus and needed that return back to the Father. And the Father doesn't greet us with, ah, yeah, you left me hanging. You spent all of our money. You blah, blah, blah. You know what? Get on out there. The sheeps need some tending to. The hogs need a bath. 
Um, and go ahead and just keep eating with them because you don't deserve our lamb chops that we're having tonight. Uh, no, he says, my son has returned. He puts a, a new coat on him. He puts rings on his fingers, puts sandals under his feet. He gives the man a shower, and he's like, feast with us tonight. Call in everybody and let's celebrate. When someone comes to Jesus, but, man, I just, I want to say, it's probably not biblical. I just want to say, like, even more so, man, when somebody comes back to Jesus just in the same way, when they've run so far away from Christ and they come back to him in those moments, dude, the celebration is just as pure. The celebration is just as for the glory of the Lord. I'm going to go into a verse of Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility, with all gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in bond and in peace. We are to live a life worthy of the calling that God has called us to. We are to live a life where, I'm going to say this, and then um, there's this really cool thing where if you agree with me, I want you to just say amen. We are to live a life worthy of the calling that God has had for us. Okay, awesome. So if you didn't know this, let me, let me, let me spill it out for you just for a second, and I'm about to be done because I know some of you guys are like, how about that picnic, though? You know what I'm saying? It's going to be awesome. I know this is so hard for us to understand sometimes because we are the kings and queens of self-inflicted sin. Very few times do I sin and it's on somebody else. Very few times. It happens and it's possible, all right? But very few times do I sin and I'm like, darn you for making me sin like that. Every time I'm like, right here. This morning, last night, yesterday afternoon, yesterday morning, the night before that, the afternoon before that, an hour before the afternoon before that. We are the kings and queens of self-inflicted sin. We have to own that. And it, it's not me walking up to any one of you and saying, yo, hey, what's up? Listen, for the record, uh, that's my B. This is God. I know I'm an idiot, and I just thought about this. Uh, yeah, yeah, I sin way, way too often. And I, it's the same sin, and, like, I know what I'm doing right before I do it, and I think, ah, I probably shouldn't do this. And I slide right into doing it. We are the kings and queens of self-inflicted sin, but here's the reality. We are to live a life worthy of the calling to which God has for us. In a way, we accept that, and we say, I know I'm not perfect, so I'm not worried about that, but God has called me to something higher. So, man, the only thing you can do for yourself is do, this is what works for me. <laughs> okay, God, uh, I am, you know what is in my head and in my heart right now, and I am sick of losing sleep over it. God, I am a broken person in need of your love, in need of your grace, in need of your mercy, in need of your kindness, in need of your perseverance, in need of patience because I am broken and torn apart. My heart is killing me because of this sin. I need you. 
Let me tell you something. There's no telling how many times on a Wednesday night, like before all the kids get here at like 1, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I'll be over there setting up in the youth building. And I'll just kind of turn some music on and I'll just get the room dark and I will just like scream at the top of my lungs like every sin that is just rolling through my head at that time. And guys, I, I'm not saying this because I'm preaching to you. I'm saying this because I'm a brother who sins and I'm telling you what works for me. You feel like you have 5 million tons of weight on you. And if you will scream your sin and shame and guilt and just everything out of your heart and mind to the Lord, let me tell you what happens. That weight lifts off of your body. It's the most incredible thing ever. How many of you guys have ever experienced, I'm broken, I needed rescue, and I, I told the Lord, I'm tired of holding this. He already knows. I'm tired of holding this. Take it from me. And, and guess what? He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. I didn't write that. I stole that from the Bible. He is faithful and just to forgive us. So I want us to celebrate with, with this verse, and I promise I'm done. Revelation 21.5. This is the verse that like, I just want you to memorize when we leave here. Um, and to preface this as we go into it, um, God has called us to what, what we've talked about just a few minutes ago. God has called us to acknowledge our sins. God's called us to cry those sins out to him. God, because I need you. God, because I'm broken. And he extends that grace, that mercy, that forgiveness, that love to us. And what happens is he takes those bad things and he uses them for our good. Because here's what I truly see most of the time, because it's really hard to see how a bad thing can work out for your good. Most of my bad things that work out for my good, I realize it in my moment of forgiveness. Because it reminded me that I am not the king of my life. Most of the time, that's what happens. So if you're sitting there thinking, how could, how possibly could my bad work for my good? I want you to remember in that moment that it was Jesus who died on the cross for your sin. The scars of ours only tells a story, but let me tell you something. That scar on my body doesn't tell me a story of sin. The scar on Jesus' body does. Because my sinful scars were removed at the cross. I don't think you guys are hearing me. You don't hold sin any longer because Jesus took it on the cross. Our scars are not scars that hold our sinful stories. Our scars are celebration that the sin in our lives was taken by Jesus' scars and we can live to tell the story about it. I want you to know God has called you to live a life worthy of the calling. And that calling is to be the light, to share the good news, to share the gospel. I love each and every one of you guys, but I love you so much more. My brother Israel says this like every five or six hours. If you really want to love on me, you love on my boys. A lot of you guys have heard Israel say that. Those aren't just words, okay? Because 14, almost 14 months ago, I realized that was the truth. 
Why? Well, because until 14 months ago, I didn't have a kid. So how could I believe what Israel says other than just the fact that he's you know, pretty trustworthy? Man, when you love on my wife or my kid, I'm like, mm-hmm. Brad Bradford, I know you love me, man. I know you love me. And I was reminded of that right now. He who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. I want you guys to know. Behold, I am making David McKegg new. Behold, I am making Brad Bradford new. Behold, I am making Jamal new. Behold, I am making Jonathan McGraw new. So here's what I want you guys to do. I want you to bow your heads real quick. And I'm not that guy that says, bow your head, close your eyes. Don't, don't look at your neighbor because I'm going to ask some questions and I'm going to get some tallies on how many people raise their hand. You bowing your head and closing your eyes is me expecting you to just focus on you for two seconds. I want you to focus on the Lord and the cross and his forgiveness for you. I want you to know that Jesus has called you to a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful calling. And that calling is to live a life worthy of the plans that he has for you. So thank you, God. Right now, this is you talking to the Lord. Thank you, God, because my sins are forgiven. God, I lay those at your feet. Those scars on, on your wrists and on your, on your feet, God, those were my sins. God, I'm celebrating you right now. Oh, how great you are. Father, we love you. And we're so grateful that you have called us to yourself. God, thank you for making me new and not discarding me and getting rid of me. God, thank you for seeing me as someone who was salvageable. God, thank you so much for the reality that, you know, I'm worth it. <laughs> I'm worth the cross. Oh, how beautiful that feeling is when I'm worth the cross to the king of the world. So, guys, we worship you with one more song. We just want you to know, God, you are our king. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.